This is React Podcast. I'm Chantastic. This week on React Podcast, our guest is me. I'm joined by good friend Max Stoiber, who takes the hosting seat and asks me about my journey from unemployment line to tech industry, faith and family, and how I temper ambition. Before I hand it off to Max, let me tell you about our episode sponsor, Infinite Red. If you're building a React or React Native app and you're feeling stuck, check out Infinite Red. They'll dive into your React or React Native code base, get you out of the muck, and get you back into a groove. They've helped hundreds of companies just like yours build beautiful, functional web and mobile apps. And they teach you as you build together. They've taught tens of thousands of developers through open source and their annual React Native conference, Chain React. You can get two free tickets to Chain React in 2021 by referring or starting a new project. Visit reactpodcast.infinite.red and build a beautiful, functional app today. This is React Podcast. I'm Chantastic. <laughs> if you're wondering why I sound so different, it's because I'm not actually Chantastic. I'm Max, and today we're doing a bit of a special episode. Instead of Chantastic doing one of his amazing interviews with somebody else, we figured it's time to turn the tables and to put him on the spot. And today, I'm going to show you all who this amazing human is behind the React Podcast. Now, the first episode that Michael recorded of React Podcast was episode number 17. Since then, he's hosted every single episode except for one, which makes at the time of this recording 69 published interviews with amazing humans extracting knowledge out of so many people and summing it up for us and making us all better. With that, Michael Chan, welcome to the React Podcast, <laughs> first time guest. How's it feel to be on the other side of the mic? Oh, thanks, man. Uh, it feels it feels a little bit stressful. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. My 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 anxiety <laughs> is. I shouldn't have had I shouldn't have had coffee this morning. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Now you know what every other guest has felt like. I know. I know. Years. It's you know. It's funny because I I guessed on shows. I've guessed it on shows before. Uh, recently, even. And um, it is nerve-wracking, but I feel like it's particularly nerve-wracking like on this show because I try so hard to like not interject myself <laughs> as much as possible. <laughs> so this just feels like super weird, super weird. This is the exact opposite. So I want to dig into your story a little bit. We haven't really heard much of it on this podcast, and um, I want to know all about you. Let's do it. And I, let's, let's start off at the, at the beginning of this millennium. Um, as far as I know, around 2000, you were part of an emo rock band <laughs> called Waiting for Autumn. So I, 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 I'll take that laughter as a, as a oh, guess. Now, I'm, I'm actually pretty sure this is true because there's one YouTube video of this emo rock band on YouTube, and we're going to link that in the show notes. And the, the, apart from the music being amazing, the, the music is actually good. You're, you're, you're a good band. There's some great pictures of young Michael oh, rocking man. out on stage, doing all kinds of emo rock things like helping his friends spy into women's bathrooms, all kinds of crazy things. <laughs> it's great. It's a great slideshow of amazing photos. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about that time and how that uh, affected you, how that influenced you? Dude, you're digging deep, man. Like right off the bat, you're going for, going for my emo band. Man, that's, 
That's that's tough. I, I are we going to talk about my uh, my time in like drama and show choir too? Because like I'm I'm nervous. I now. mean, go go ahead, <laughs> go ahead. I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> All right. So um. So yes, yeah, so the band. So uh, man, it was like right after high school, and like I was kind of like not having. I, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. Like absolutely none. And so I was. I was studying, um, I think, recording arts at a local community college. Um, I really enjoyed community arts, recording arts at a community college. And um, I really enjoyed that. It was really fun. I enjoyed being in the studio. I liked music production. Um, I liked working with bands. I think I've always enjoyed production, right? Like getting, like having an idea and like getting it across the finish line, like finding a final product or like kind of having an idea and like whittling it down until it's actually like something that's consumable and fun and enjoyable. And um, kind of during that time, a bunch of my friends were in bands and uh, I was, I was helping kind of helping one of these bands kind of set up some, some recording stuff so they could kind of record a song that they were working on. And, um, and they're like, you know, we actually need another guitarist. Do you want to, do you want to play with us? And I was like, I'm, like a really shitty guitarist but like if you need a shitty guitarist like like if you just need any guitarist like i'd I'd be happy to play with you that'd be fun and um yeah and so then that kind of started this uh this band thing and i did it for like maybe a year and a half i think and it was really fun it was really fun i we we recorded an album i actually it's the one thing that i have up on soundcloud like I found a copy of it when I was cleaning my room. And so I put it up on SoundCloud. I think you can get it at like SoundCloud, whatever the user URLs, Chantastic there. And man, it was such a fun process to like work with people and make music. And it was such a different perspective from producing music because I'd worked with bands to like make a song in the studio. But it's a lot different when you're like when you're in it. Right when you are part of the band and those relationships uh, are are strained, right? Like you have a style and they have a style, and like everyone's coming together and like you're trying to make a new thing. Like it's really hard, and like sometimes it's worse for it, right? Like sometimes the song would have been better if just one of you wrote it, but then other times it's like you come together and you make something that is that is the culmination of all of your best parts, and like that is magic. It's straight up magic, and. I think that so much of music, um, you know, the music that I studied, the music that I experienced both on recording and also in being in a band have deeply informed the way that I think about software and the way that I think about teamwork. And I think this could be said of anything that's like a, a team sport, you know, whether it's, you know, an actual sport or, you know, music production, just realizing how important it is for, you know, people to at times assert themselves and like take control, but then also like take a step back and like just listen to you know, the, the, you know, the, the, the vision that like other people are after. And like, man, I, I, I wish that there was, I wish everyone had that experience. And I think that sometimes that's maybe where I, I, uh, butt heads with like traditional engineers a lot where it's like, I think some people haven't yet had that experience in their life where it's like, okay, I need to take a back seat on this one and like let this person lead um, because we're a team and this is going to be awesome because of it. And that degree of trust in the other person and your team and your partnership, um, even though it feels totally unnatural at times. Very interesting. So from, from that, you took that experience and you started a career that had really nothing to do with engineering. 
<laughs> right? Yeah. Walk us through how, how that happened and, and how you ended up transitioning into tech, I guess. Yeah. So while I was doing the band thing, I was working with my dad and we were importing furniture for um, hotels. So um, all of like the hotel rooms, we would do like their remodeling and whatnot. And um, my dad is, he came over to America from Vietnam. They fled the Vietnam War. He lived in Brazil for a while and then came up to America right before meeting my mom and getting married. So like college time. And it's, <laughs> he he was like, scrappy as hell like he had so many businesses he was always like he always had some kind of scheme and um he <laughs> at the time that i was you know kind of like getting out of high school like a little bit of overlap he was doing the import and export business and he was traveling all the time he was in in china and brazil and you know all over the all over the east and what he had me do to kind of like help fund me while I was like, you know, doing college and doing the band and all that kind of stuff was he just had me do all of his business management stuff. So I was doing all the the bookkeeping. I was like doing some scheduling, all that kind of stuff. And um, it was great. You know, I I did it maybe like 10 hours a week or something. And uh, I we transitioned that over the years into like an actual job and so it was like me and him and uh, one other guy running this import and export business and back in the like last kind of economic recession like the business just fell apart like the, the you know the housing market crisis happened and like everything was like going to shit a lot like it is now and people were getting laid off left and right company like companies like ours were just dis vanishing um, and so, so this was like 2008, 2009, yeah. that kind of time, yep. time frame. Right? Yep, exactly. So yeah, so we, uh, the, the company just kind of vanished, um, unfortunately. Um, all of the hotels that we had contracts with, they kind of backed out of and everything that was, you know, forward looking didn't happen. And yeah, I was kind of like forced into making a decision, you know, for myself about like what the next thing was going to be because um you know it was like the first born asian son <laughs> i was just going to take over the business so, like it was just assumed that like we would work on this thing together i would take it over and then like that would be that i'd be a import export person for the rest of my life um and when this collapsed it kind of like really threw all of that like on its head like i i had never had a different expectation about like what my life would look like in practice and i'd had like hob like interests in web web development like i built our website for the for the thing in like php and and mysql and whatnot and like i was fascinated by all of this and it was kind of at that time like everything was nuts right like so i had had like this small business accounting uh, experience but I mean, at the time, like people with like master's degrees in finances in finance were like applying for like thirty dollar an hour jobs, you know, it, it, doing like city, yeah. you know, accounting or whatnot, municipal accounting. And I was like, like I'm like properly fucked, right? Like, there's no way that I can compete with any of these people like in this. And so I thought, like, well, at least if I like, I can make half of that, like fifteen dollars an hour, like doing like psd to html type of stuff i mean this was a long time ago max i know that like you probably weren't even yeah, born yeah, at this yeah. time like when like <laughs> that was actually like a viable <laughs> thing and like i mean i i just there was nothing below me right like i would do I, i'd be doing like email signatures like for people on craigslist uh like whatever like because i had i i mean this was like i had just had a kid 
I, uh, we had just bought a house. And so like my life was kind of like, kind of ramping up. And now I had like zero freaking money. I was like on unemployment and trying to figure out like how I was going to like make a career in tech. And, uh, it was like, it was pretty grim. And so like right now, like with all this stuff happening and like seeing so many of my friends and people that I know getting laid off from their, from their jobs, like I know that feeling, like I was stressed the fuck out. Like me and Nell, like, like Nelly and I, we, we, uh, are regularly just amazed that we made it through. Right. Because we were so stressed. Like, I feel like the stress alone could have like killed us. time. <laughs> And yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of it. I just like slowly and surely just kind of like took anything that I could get and tried to do it the best I could and, you know, learn along the way. And yeah, just like one foot in front of the other kind of kept pushing towards this like goal of doing anything in, in tech, which was just kind of like a hobby um, from, from the uh, kind of my, my vision before, which was just to be import export, like the rest of my life, following my dad's footsteps. Right. Was it obvious at the time that tech was could, could be a, a a sort of valuable career option like did 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 the company fold and then the next day you were like well i guess i'm i'm gonna go into tech now or was there like a deliberation period where you tried different things um how, how did you yeah. make that transition happen yeah that's a great question i think man at the time i was doing all kinds of stuff i was like i was um, also doing photography like i have a lot of interests <laughs> i i I'm fascinated by technology, like I'm fascinated by product, I like working with people. And so I was doing um, a lot of photography, wedding and portrait photography at the time. And that industry was drying up too. Um, And so it, in terms of like, uh, prospects, it really did feel like tech was the only thing that had uh, promise or like stability at the time. And it was a very different industry back then. And I knew that I was going to have to learn a lot in order to get to get up to speed. Um, I think the thing that people were most excited about at the time was mobile. I think the the uh, app store on <laughs> for iPhone was like just recently released that year. And so a lot of people yeah. were doing mobile development. That was like kind of like a hot thing. And I had always had like kind of like a passing interest in Rails, um, kind of even, bef- even before, uh, just because I... I saw the, you know, build a blog in 15 minutes talk by uh, David Heinemeyer Hansen and was just blown away at like what you could do with technology so quickly. And um, yeah, I... I don't know. I, I It was the only thing that like felt like it had promise and felt like I could get to at least the salary that I had doing bookkeeping and accounting quickly. Right. And kind of like reliably. Um, and I mean, it turns out like it, it was a pretty decent bet, you know, I've probably like six or seven X to my income since, <laughs> since that time. <laughs> Did you, uh, so you, you, you're this, um, import export person who, who thought he was going to do this for the rest of his life. You're, you're due to economical reasons. You have to transition to tech. Did you immediately get a job or did you just do odds and ends all the time? And then how did that how how did that then transition into a full time career and into I guess a a w- was that immediately matching the income that you had before were you immediately able to support your new family with your son and and your wife Oh no no I I mean it was a train wreck like a legit train wreck because like <laughs> I had never done like I'd never built for anything before right so so there's the tech side of it right where I'm like trying to like as fast as I can to learn whatever tech that I need to 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 do these odds and ends jobs. Um, you know, so it went from, I think within a year, I went from like pretty exclusively doing, um, like, like 
email signatures and like little touch-ups on like websites and like you know css and whatnot to i had i had a contract where i was building a cms for a uh, a company that did vintage car restorations <laughs> or something right um and and so it was like a full stack thing you know i think i used uh code igniter which was like the popular <laughs> php framework at the time you like I, you've never heard of any of these things i'm sure no 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 i do you remember code igniter? code igniter not that i've ever used it but i know what it is i've heard of it <laughs> yeah yeah it was super popular at the time i think um there was a popular blogging engine that was competing with wordpress called expression engine and yeah yeah uh code igniter was like kind of the core of that Sorry, I don't mean to. I'm not trying to pick on you for for being young. I'm more like picking on myself for being old. No, that's not. <laughs> come on, that's fair. Age, age, that's fair. Age is irrelevant. Age is irrelevant, except for like as a punchline. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah. So the to 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 answer the question, um, I so that was about like kind of like what happened in a year, and what I what I learned is is that like it really all comes down to relationships and um talking yourself up and like i have a talk that kind of talks about this a little bit called like clean code or uh was it hot garbage clean code is dead and um, where i talk about how if you're trying to break into the industry like being able to talk is like the most important most important skill that you can you can get and so i would just like whatever i was reading I would talk about and like I would talk about with like people and I would find people to listen. So I had a friend who had just recently become uh, like an operations guy at a company that ran a professional services division where people were um, they did e-commerce and they had a division of people who would they would hire out to do jobs on those like e-commerce sites. And uh, and so I was just I, I was his resource for like what it meant like like what was jquery and like how did it relate to javascript what's rails and like how does it relate to ruby like how do all these these pieces fit together and through that like through being his resource into those things which i i was only like just kind of learning myself and i was trying to like distill those down every time he had a question building trust into that relationship and so then when they needed new people um he asked me if i needed a job and i was able to like kind of parlay that relationship into my my first uh, job in tech very nice. So this is how how long did you do odds and ends for until you sort of got your first stable job, I guess? Yeah, I want to say it was a maybe a year a yearish. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, and so you worked at this professional services company and what happens then? Oh man, it was like <laughs> so I was also doing like I was also kind of continuing on my like odds and ends like jobs like I was not sleeping during this this period of my life. Um, so like I had two contracts where I was like building up like these big, you know, kind of like CMS type things. One of them I was doing with a partner. And then um, this this I was just uh, I, I was kind of like checking in, doing my work. And um, yeah, it was like it, it was mostly like a lot of like HTML, CSS uh, type stuff. But it was really when I first got into like kind of processes in um, in web development. They had just released a new product uh, where people could kind of get this get like a templatized version of this thing and they can make like three customizations basically just existed in a psd file they can make three customizations and then like we would kind of make that into their site and there was so much like unnecessary work around this kind of stuff and so i took on the project of like saying like okay we, we have this psd how can we cut it up in such a way that basically you make your change like 
dupe it, make your changes, hit export. And now we have all of the assets that we need. We can just put this directory inside of this thing. Like it was like kind of my first foray into like, like design systems. I'm like putting my, like my finger quotes up, like where we were systematizing a design process. And yeah, I, I realized kind of in that moment, like while I was working through that project, that so much of my value was not going to be in like being a great coder or like being a great designer, but like understanding the business value of process for like getting a finished product from an idea. And I think that that really changed the way that I thought about like my career code, all that kind of stuff to um, and like how I could like bring my experience with teams um, to like to software. Um, And I think that's probably informed a lot of the way that I've worked ever since. Is that how you stumbled upon React? Because you were building the system and you needed a better way to do that? Yeah, so so React is kind of like an interesting story. So like uh so so fast forward a few years, a few jobs. I am super fascinated by by Ember because it has like a lot of things that it has a lot of the Rails conventions that I liked, right? Like it has a lot of the things that that, that bars a lot of the language that I find valuable when constructing websites and i've talked about this you know on 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 this show and then also um you know full stack radio with adam wathen about how there's something beautiful about like the mindset of rails like where it's like hey we're going to limit what a website is so that we can be like hyper productive in actually like delivering things to people and so i was super interested in ember because it borrowed a lot of those same concepts and so me and uh, a co-worker were kind of like doing this like head-to-head on like who could build this feature like you know i i took ember he took react and like we, we like built this built this new uh, a prototype of this new project in both frameworks and like i knew from the get-go that like i was i was gonna like lose this thing because it was uh it wasn't route driven like it was just like clearly like like an actual like single page app and where at the time like that's where react excelled and it was a huge pain in the ass in ember to like ditch the router <laughs> So, um, but it was like, it was through that, that we, uh, we ended up doing a lot more, doing a lot more React. I had played with it in one project before where I was building a transposer and the one demo of React at the time was like kind of incrementing and decrementing a number. And so I imported all of JavaScript to like build this one or all of React (laughs) to build this one little transposer function. (laughs) And uh, it was fun. Like it, it, it was great. And I think that all of the stuff at the time the thing that got me uh, with React was one-way data flow. And it's something we don't talk about anymore. But like that mm-hmm. concept was the magic sauce of React. Like I think that is what made it feel like I understood it because that's how like servers work, right? Like you send a request and you get like a full fresh page. And like unlike all of the frameworks at the time that were doing like, you know, observations and you had to make sure that you had everything connected right. React just got me because it was like I had full control, right? Like if there was a problem, it was my fault. Like I didn't like set it up right. Yeah. And I love that. Like I love things that like make the problem mine. Like they take care of a big part of it. But like the problem of making the app is like still mine. And like I know where the errors are. Um, so yeah, one-way data flow, man, that, that's what got me. Like it, it's, yeah, it got me. That's awesome. <laughs> I love one-way data flow. Um, I definitely agree with you. That's one of the the massive benefits that React has. So you 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 have this competition with your coworker <laughs> using Ember or React for this feature. You 
you end up losing, I assume, and you start using React. Yes. And then how do you, where, where were you working at the time? What, what was the project that you were on? Yeah, so I, um, I still work at Planning Center. It's uh, been like seven years now, I think. We make church software. Um, it helps organizations do all the things that they need to do um, that, that a church needs to do. So take no donations, check kids into their like classrooms safely and securely, like manage volunteers, music, all that kind of stuff. And I kind of describe it as like the Microsoft Office 365 for churches. Right. Um, so like, so we have like our Word, Excel, you know, PowerPoint, like all of those types of things, but specifically for what churches need. And the product that we were building at the time did need to be um, React. It was already built with like a bunch of jQuery. It was not dissimilar from a, from a chat application. We have this kind of live service service view. So, like as you're going through your service, um, your order of service, you have all the things that are going to happen. Like you're going to play these five songs. There's an introduction. Like now the the person talks, and uh, you know all the things happen in a, in an order. And we have this view that allows you to kind of like set times for those orders, just like see if you're ahead or behind, um, communicate to the other you know, other teams who have like services going at the same time. So you can tell the, the kids in, in the, the fifth grade class, like, Hey, we're going to be a little bit late, like, et cetera. So it was this whole like, kind of like chat live thing. So everyone could be on the same page with the order of service. And it was highly interactive and, um, react was just like a perfect, a perfect fit for it. Um, and it took us like, I think it took us like three months to like rebuild this, but it was like way the hell more stable than anything, um, anything before that. And it was, it, it, it was great. I think that's where I learned so much about React. It was literally before any of the fancy stuff, like context or, I mean, there were not, it was like maybe at the end of the project where they were announcing kind of the flux pattern. Yeah, right. For the first time. And so like... Our, like, like you're our, very early to React. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I, I think I wrote my first React component like at the end of 2013, maybe. It was like during Christmas break. Wow. And uh, yeah, and so so our component, it was like, ah, man, I want to say like a 1500 line like component with just like one state object and then like maybe another 1500 lines of uh, like mixins and whatnot. It was, <laughs> it was wild. It was wild. All written in uh, CoffeeScript. Wow. <laughs> nice. Is that still the code base of today? Uh, I think it's been uh, I think it's been transposed to proper like JavaScript and JSX and and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I think largely it's probably still still running that that code. That's awesome. <laughs> That's incredible. So you're you're building this this live um, organization tool, I guess, of services. So what did you work on afterwards? Where did you go from there? Did you continue maintaining that or have you switched to other projects or? Yeah, yeah. So I switched to another project. Um, Planning Center at the time was growing from, like they had two products to a suite of products. So in the, you know, I don't know, four or five years since then, we've gone from like the main product, which, you know, everyone knew us for, to being a suite of like church management software. And we had a we had a little bit of an issue of like how are we going to unify design across all of these applications, which really like kind of like played to like my strengths of like you know kind of before design systems like systematizing design. And so at the time it was Rails, and we you know I built a, a Rails engine that basically just <laughs> the job was not fancy at all. And I always say this 
about like design systems is like it's very like humble work, right? Like it sounds fun and like you know dictatorial, and you get to like you know you know cast your influence all over the place. Um, but it's not that way at all, at least in my experience. Is like we had one app, and like basically we just it was like this super heavily uh, customized version of Foundation, which was like a Bootstrap competitor at the time, but like with better Rails integration, <laughs> right? And we basically just pulled all of those style sheets out of foundation, out of like all of the overrides out of the the app that we had built and then pulled that into like a Rails gem, which is, I mean, basically like an NPM module for anyone who hasn't ever used Rails before. So we pulled that out and like now that's like that's like the, you know, air quotes, like design system that we're going <laughs> to use for the, to stamp out the rest <laughs> of the apps. <laughs> And um, yeah, and so like I, my my job was just to like kind of like make that easy as we like kind of built other other apps, and um, yeah, it was like it was it was messy, like it was uh, it it was it was it was not fun. I learned a ton about kind of how to properly, I guess, like distribute shared code um, through that process. And a lot about like kind of like ownership models and like how you know, like inversion of control and whatnot, all through trying to like build this thing that supported so many of our apps. And um, I don't know, it's it's invaluable experience. I think that like the harder things in life, the things that you have like less control over, teach you the most. And that was definitely one of those things that I think it it fast tracked my understanding of good software design in a way that I would not have experienced if it was. Um, I guess, better architected from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Did that transition into... So is that still built in Rails and, and the foundation CSS? Or have you... Is there like a React implementation by now that is used for... So, or, or, or are most of the apps still Rails? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So is that the answer? Okay, so where we're at right now, and this is like really getting into the weeds of uh, kind of, you know, planning-centered guts, but... Like where we're at right now is is that that still like is in all of the apps and we're actively trying to um, pull it out. The the worst part of it at the time was that like foundation styled uh, form elements directly, right? Uh, it would have these selectors that like you know do the, like the data attributes on those, and it made forms impossible to style um, without having to do like all of these like really irritating overrides. And what happens in those situations is is that anytime someone in an app like app side goes to customize that thing um, by overriding it you're calcifying the underlying implementation right because now you have an implementation on top of an implementation yeah and so it's been incredibly difficult to actually remove that code because there's no real place i mean apart from like the fact that like half of the code is is installed via gem like there's no place where they don't overlap right they, they're fully interconnected and so like as the apps grew as they became more like customizable and it was it became clear that like each app was going to have its own kind of like flavor and like vision that wasn't just like the kind of stamped out version from th that we pulled from the first app it became harder like to the point of impossible to like actually pull out this framework. And so I, I have some like devised plans for like how we're going to move forward now, but it's like, it's really interesting that like the thing that was going to help us move faster, like further faster, you know, five years later is this thing that's just like dead weight and like impossible to get rid of. It almost sounds like your entire, all of your apps have an implicit dependency on this library and you don't know 
which parts are used where, and you can't figure it out without manually going through. Yeah, is that a fair yeah. way of. Oh yeah, that? absolutely. And like this is like the the big challenge of like CSS is like everything is like an implicit dependency, right? And I I understand and like I I mean I I talked pretty early on about like you know the you know CSS and JS and like how cool it was to like en encapsulate all that kind of stuff in in CSS, and like I believe all of that for react specific applications right like if you're building a react app like yeah like it totally makes sense to have all that stuff in one place but what does that mean for people who are like transitioning apps that are you know five seven ten years old right like do you have to just do one big rewrite you know or like do you you know track all of the pages that aren't react yet you know what happens after five years when like React isn't the new hotness anymore, and like you decide that you want to write like an Elixir app or whatever. And like I think like all of this stuff like like it it hurts me a little bit, right? <laughs> like seeing people like <laughs> replace one one thing with another without like thinking about like well what is the like what's the ten year plan, right? And you know like what's the like what's after React and like how do we prepare for the thing that is like not just the trend now and the way we like building apps now but like when we're like when we're a shop that just does like no code like what does that look like and um, yeah I've been thinking a lot about that and I've I've depending been depending a lot on like you know CSS variables CSS grid like once we dropped IE eleven it felt like. CSS was now like a reasonable platform to start putting some of those things in that actually transcends framework. Like, you know, it's not real specific. It's not react specific. Like, you know, if we built an Elixir app tomorrow, like this would, this would, these things could be pulled over and used there as well. Yeah. Makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Let's take a step back from your current responsibilities. I, I want to know how you got into podcasting. I, I asked on Twitter what people wanted to know. <laughs> and a lot of the responses were, how is Michael so good at podcasting. <laughs> where did that passion come from? Where, how did it start? So I have this tiny little stupid, ridiculous, ignorant podcast that I started with a friend of mine maybe five years ago uh, called Bird Call Review. It is trash. I just want, like, if anybody decides to listen to it, it's, like, you're going to have, like, a similar experience to, like, you know, if you decide to listen to uh, Waiting for Autumn. Like, you're just going to be like, what? Oh, you should totally listen to Waiting for Autumn, though. <laughs> that is a great band. It is an excellent band. You'd be like, what the hell is this? And, uh, it, you know, it just came from, um, we, were, we were hanging out, and a lot of people at lunch, you know, in the office were like, you know, if you had a podcast, like, we would totally listen to it. Because, like, we're just like grumpy old dudes and like, we'll just like kind of go deep on any, any single topic. And um, so, yeah, so we're like, well, you know, why not? Let's like, let's figure it out. Like, you know, at the end of my life, I'd rather have like, you know, five podcast episodes, like where we talk about nonsense than zero. So we, um, we, we started doing that. We just like hung out. We got a couple of mics and just started shooting the shit. And uh, you know, the whole premise is that we're like going to like review the, uh, like a bird song. <laughs> like as if there was some objective metric for like a, a <laughs> reviewing bird songs <laughs> that is amazing <laughs> and so we do that for like five minutes how is that not your main podcast <laughs> that is so much better than a react podcast we're gonna end this conversation right now we're just gonna we're just gonna cut to the latest episode just, of, just cut to the latest uh, episode. bird call review see you soon everybody thanks for tuning in to react bird call review <laughs> From now on, this podcast will be about bird songs. <laughs>
<laughs> so yeah, it's it's dumb. I mean, it's it's really like uh, I mean, I'm sure that I'd be embarrassed to like listen back to like some of the things that I said now, and I'm sure that they'll probably even get me in trouble. But like, it's that was the that was the start of it. Like me and a friend just like hanging out for a little bit and kind of talking about what we would have been talking at lunch. And so how long, how long did that podcast go on for? How many episodes did you record? Did you get over five episodes? Yeah, I think we recorded 23. Wow. Or something. Yeah, 23. And like, we still every once in a while when we were just like, like, just bored with like when we've had it with life, I'd be like, I'm coming over with my stuff. Like we're gonna like record something. I think there's maybe three that just like sit on a hard drive somewhere. Like it's kind of more like a release at this point for us to like, just like hang out. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we just talk about nonsense. I think one of the most recent episodes we talk about like the necessity of, of like having a plunger in your bathroom. Uh, It's just, it's stupid. (laughs) It's ridiculous. (laughs) But yeah, that got me, that got me into it. Um, I, because of my fast, uh, my studying of recording arts, it kind of like reinvigorated this excitement around like recording and microphones and all that kind of stuff. And, um, it was around that time that um, Zach Silveira, Jed Watson, yeah. and Naman, I cannot pronounce his last name, but we can link him, had started a React podcast. This podcast, like the first version of this podcast. And, you know, they were doing a lot of, you know, interviews at the time. And they had asked me to be on an episode where we talked about uh, CSS in JS because um, I had given a talk, uh, I think in 2015 about that topic at react europe and it was i totally hit it off with all those um all those guys and we i i was on a couple episodes later we talked with dan abramov we talked with lee byron and then it just like the wheels fell off like we recorded an episode and then nothing ever happened with it and then michael jackson revived it like years later got the domain and the twitter handle from zach silviera and uh he did it for a, for a while, like a you know few months. Asked me to come on to like share the hosting responsibilities, and uh, things were just going wild for their business at the time. And I think that was right around the time that like he and Ryan kind of split off to do their their separate things. And he was like, "I can't do this anymore. Do you want it?" And I was like, "No, absolutely not. It's way too much work. There's no way." <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> like, it's like you're gonna have to let it die, or like find someone else who has like enough time to like make it happen. But I just both of us really wanted it to exist, and I said yes eventually. And it was way too much work. I lost way <laughs> too much sleep, but I so loved having conversations with people. Like I loved having a place to have conversations with people about their careers about like what they were learning, the the technology that they were excited about. And it it just became invaluable to me. And uh, I think that's why I still do it today. I, I mean, I've been able to chat with people that I would have never had an opportunity to have a conversation with because of the podcast. And it's it's just a treasure to me now. And I, I, I love every second of it. And it's still a lot of work, but, you know, I've I've been able to, you know, partner with people to kind of make some of that work less specifically spec who's an amazing network that allows me to have a lot of control and it's been it's been great. That's amazing. You you take over this React podcast. You've co-hosted it a couple of times. It is now 69 episodes later since you started co-hosting this podcast. How did you get so good at interviewing people because you, all, all of the episodes are amazingly interesting every single one of them you bring out the unique personalities that are in people you bring out their unique stories you bring out unique insights every single time what what is sort of your your philosophy on in interviewing people or, or talking to people i guess well first thank you i appreciate that 
while you think <laughs> I'm I'm the one in the hot seat here a little bit because I have to match your prowess <laughs> having no experience interviewing on the podcast at all <laughs> trying my best here <laughs> yeah you're doing great by the way I appreciate I appreciate you I appreciate Thank your you. vision for this actually um, because I would have never done it but your tenacity made it happen and I appreciate you oh it needed to happen <laughs> people need to know who you are so yeah I think one of the things that I'm okay at is asking a half-decent question. And I learned this from going to conferences, going to meetups, etc. Everyone hates the person who asks the, like, forgive the term, but like that masturbatory question where you're like, just like, I want to sound smart because you're on stage and like, you already sound smart, but I also want to sound smart. Like, everybody hates that person. Like, those those people suck. Yeah. And like, I... I managed to meet up for a really long time and like eventually we just stopped taking questions because everyone just wanted to talk about how awesome they were in the with a question mark at the end of it. And <laughs> I hate that. Like it, it just bugs the hell out of me. I think that there's so much to learn from people. Like why are we talking about the things that we already know? Right? Like every like yeah. I, like I have like a voracious appetite for all of the thing like the knowledge that other people have. And I think that that's really what it comes down to is like i want to like just shut up for a second and hear what you know what people have to say about even technologies that i know about right like we've talked about plenty of things that i you know and maybe a resource on but it's like i don't know everything right and like i definitely don't know the way that like you think about this thing and i think that's what the whole like thing for me has been like trying to figure out how to like form questions and get good at like actually not extracting information out of people, but like giving people an opportunity to say something that that they haven't had a chance to say before or haven't had an audience to say it to before. And if I think about React Podcast as like a personal journey, it's really just that. It's just like asking people, like trying to figure out a good way to ask a, ask a good question. And I encourage anyone who wants to learn quickly to like master this skill. And I'm not, not a master of it at all. But being able to ask a question like gets you into so many doors. Like people want to talk about the thing that they're interested in. And if you can figure out how to like remove yourself from the equation, like you have like the whole world available to you. And I think that's the skill that I wanted to learn in react podcast. I'm still learning it. Uh, I, I still listen back to episodes sometimes. I'm like, Oh man, like I could have, I could have asked that question way better. And if there's one thing that I obsess over, it's just like asking questions. Super interesting. I mean, you're doing a great job. <laughs> Every single interview I've listened to has been amazing. I, I, I wouldn't say I've ever noticed you asking a bad question before. <laughs> well, thanks. I'm, I want to touch on a topic here. Michael and I first met, I think, at Reactive Conf in like 2015, maybe, uh... possibly. And then we, we, we met again at React Rally a year later or something. Yeah. And... Not that important. The thing that struck me about you was how incredibly kind and empathetic you are. You're an extremely kind person, very friendly and very open. And you're a great friend, really. And at the same time, which at the time I didn't know, but I now realize that you have gone through some hard times, particularly since then. How do you take sort of what life throws at you and master it with such a quiet confidence and kindness <laughs> out of your heart oh well thank you that's that is a very good compliment i'm feeling like kind of warm on the inside from from that you know it's impossible for me to answer this without talking about faith the 
I think that there's this, what is it? I think it's a, was it Philipp, there's a verse in Philippians that says something about like, um, you know, the, the peace that passes understanding. And I, I love this. I know that a lot of, you know, listeners are, are, are not religious or kind of, um, anti-religious and I'm, I mean, to be fair, like I don't like religion either, but I've always been like an incredibly spiritual person. And um, I think that so much of anything that is is good in me, anything that that kindness that comes out, um, comes from like a, the kindness that I have received, right? Um, the experience, the relationship that I have found in in Jesus, His kindness. I think all the, those good things come from that. I definitely struggle with you know anger issues and and whatnot, but. I feel like there's this this constant like kind of stream of like redemption and improvement in me that I just want to like give to other people, right? I, I think one of my favorite parables is the is the one where like you know I think Jesus is talking about someone who's been forgiven much and then uh, and then turns around and then is like extremely punitive with someone who like owes him a debt that's like way smaller than what he's he's been uh, forgiven of, and. I think that is like an empower, uh, like a powerful concept, right? Like if you get a lot, like you need to give a lot, if not like more, right? Like you can never give up to the point that you've like been given. So like, just like, just be supportive, like be happy, be kind, like let people like exceed, you know, who you are and like, like give them accolades, like give them the accolades that they deserve. And like being humble and like being kind is like something that I really aspire to. Um, and it's not, it's not a natural position for me, right? Like sometimes I really have to like put it on and like remind myself like, Hey, you've, you've been given a lot. You have a lot of, you know, uh, you know, to borrow like the vernacular of the day, like you've been, you have a lot of privilege, uh, you've been given a lot. And so you need to use that to, kind of like lift other people up and like support other people and like believe in, in them when they don't necessarily believe in themselves until they can, you know, come up to, uh, you know, the vision that, that you have of them. And I think all of that is just stuff that I've, I've learned from, uh, you know, the Bible being a, a, a lifelong, uh, Christian, all that stuff I have that has, has been kind of like packed into my brain my entire life has kind of been unpacked over the last like you know, maybe like five, 10 years as like a really personal thing that I want to pay forward. That's absolutely incredible. <laughs> Thanks. I don't even know where to go from here. That was <laughs> such a strong statement. Well, I appreciate it. It's, I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll take it a little bit further. Life has not been easy the last uh, maybe like 10 years. I mean, I, I think it all started with like losing my job, like getting laid off. Pretty soon after that, my, my second kid was born uh, Ruby, she was diagnosed with uh, retinoblastoma, which is kind of like an eye cancer. Um, we were super fortunate in that she was able to like keep her eye, but she lost most of her vision in like the six years of cancer treatment that we did for her. Pretty soon after that, my dad actually passed away because of health issues. And um, it's just been like the last 10 years have been wild, <laughs> like just truly wild. And I think it's given me a lot of compassion for the complexity of everybody's stories, right? Like everyone has shit going on and I have a lot of compassion, a lot of empathy for how difficult every single thing is for people. And I, 
like I hope that that kind of like comes out in like maybe you know React podcast or like some of the the, the resources that I've had the opportunity to make that like I want to be like. I want to be a friend to people in like that hard time. And like, I, like, I can't come alongside of everybody and be like, oh man, like, you know, you're like your mom passed away or like you're dealing with this, this illness, but like, I can help people like kind of understand the, like <laughs> how the, you know, the inputs array on a hook works a little bit better. And so they can like do whatever tasks they're working on just a little bit faster and stress out about that a little bit less. And it's like such a small thing. But I know that that was incredibly valuable for me, being able to, like, through these times, continue to find resources that helped me stress out less about work. And um, that's something, like, I know it's such a small thing, but, like, a way that I feel like I can help people pay it forward. And I feel a responsibility to, to do that if I can. Very interesting. That leads me to another topic that I wanted to talk to you about that I think you have a very interesting perspective on. We don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. I'm not going to force you to talk about this. I found a quote where you said on, a, on your own personal uh, three-minute podcast, you said, when I'm working, I'm creating. It feels like new things are happening and my potential is before me. When I'm parenting, I'm dying. <laughs> and it feels like my best years are in the past. I struggle with this feeling of fading away as our children start to grow up. Now... I don't want to put you on the spot with something you said many years ago that you don't agree with anymore. But I think that's an interesting perspective. You were obviously feeling that way at the time. And again, we don't have to talk about this if you don't want to. But I think it's an interesting perspective because programming is a lot about creating, where parenting is a lot about sort of creating something that lasts longer than you do, yeah. right? And I'm, I'm, I'm curious what you think about parenting now, some years later, and, and how you feel about that. Man, you did your research. I'm... I'm impressed, Max. Nice work. <laughs> and I'm also going to interview somebody on the on the React <laughs> podcast. Then I'm going to do my research. But like I said, you don't have to answer this question. No, no, no. I want to. This um, is yeah, a I tough that, question to answer. Yeah, that was that was definitely a moment for me. I was when I recorded that. I was I could I could say now, kind of at a distance. I was definitely depressed. I was that that phase was a really difficult phase for me because I think that was probably in the middle of my daughter's cancer treatment and I just remember feeling like pretty hopeless and I was really struggling with a lot of I was struggling with my faith right like as as most people do when they you know have had an easy experience with faith and then kind of get thrust into a phase that is is testing and it was really it was really hard for me to put the brakes on my career trajectory, just emotionally, right? And I talked about this with my my therapist, like just that feeling of like I could do anything, right? Like I could I could do anything, I could be anything, like I have the potential inside of me to be like whatever the fuck I want. And having to kind of put that aside to like temper it with like raising, you know, a, a four-year-old and a one-year-old probably at the time, <laughs> it felt like it was it was very emotionally difficult, right? Because like, I felt like every investment that I was making in them was an investment that I was withdrawing from myself. And I've, I've since dealt with that. And I, I think probably I'm on like the other side of it now where like I feel, and, and a lot of this is age too, but I feel happiest when I get to be a part of my kids' lives now and kind of invest in them. And, you know, the creativity that I experience when coding is secondary or 
third now, like now that I have the podcast and I get to actually like talk with people like that level of creativity really thrills me the most. But yeah, I, that was very, that was very real at the time. And I, it was, it was definitely a dark time where I felt like kind of like the, the vision that I had for my life, who I was going to be, who my kids had the potential to be. And like just what I was believing were just all shifting. And I was like under so much stress at the time. And um, it was everything was just kind of getting like like stirred up. And it kind of culminated in that that little like three minute thought. I'm sorry to put you on the spot like this with this three minute thought that you had many years ago in a totally different context. Um, but I think there's a, a real nugget in there where it sounds like you've kind of I almost want to phrase it as dealt with your ambition in a way. Yeah. Is that a fair way of putting it? I think so. Yeah. I, I, I think that, that I definitely have a drive. I don't know if that's like just based on my personality or kind of like what was modeled to me from my dad as, you know, an, an immigrant to like America who is always pushing, always like trying to like figure out how to like um, get ahead. And so I think I think it's a, a little bit of both. And I did I did have to kind of like uh, kill that ambition a little bit to be both, you know, a, you know, a good participant in the community, but then also a good, um, you know, a good dad. And I'm glad that I did. I think it, like, I'd love to see the tangential universe where like, I'm a less happy person and, uh, but like successful <laughs> in the way that I aspired to be. And I'd, I'd love to see what happened. I'd love to see like what I had to give up, but I wouldn't change anything now. I mean, like the the times where I'm just like pushing my kid on the swing for like 15 minutes, um, talking about like, you know, how we have too many lemons and we could like make a lemonade stand or, or whatever are like just the best moments of my day now. And those came from kind of investments that I made from like the withdrawals from like my tra- career trajectory at the time. And I, w- I wouldn't change anything right now. Amazing to hear. <laughs> I think this is a, great place to end it yeah i have one last quote from you that i dug up that i think would be a good way to end this because it applies to a lot of people that might be listening to this the quote is ambition doesn't care about the hobbies that don't make me money or the ventures that don't gain me notoriety it just knows that there is something out there that it doesn't have but desperately wants (laughs) and it forgets everything that it has i think that's beautiful that is beautiful it's and so true i it, it, like if i can add to that like when i was talking to my therapist he said something very similar to that and i think that that's very beautifully put but as a um kind of as like a, a really like on the ground thing he asked me to always think about like what once in a lifetime opportunity am i giving up now to like get, gain something that like is is imaginary in the future and like thinking about my kids and the relationships that I have and am forming as a once in a lifetime opportunity has changed everything for me. And it, it, it's almost caused me like anxiety on the other side of like, oh crap, like, you know, like rock's going to be 10 this year. Like that, like then it's going to be 11 and now he's a teenager. And like, I only have a couple years left before he wants absolutely nothing to do with me. And that quote is, is so true. Like, don't give up what you have for something that is is imaginary because you just you just regret it do you want to know who said that quote who said it you (laughs) and with that we're gonna end the podcast with my good friend the most kind and amazing human being i've ever met michael chan thank you for coming on the show oh man thanks for having me 
This has been episode 90 of React Podcast with myself and Max Stoiber. Find the people and projects mentioned in this episode at reactpodcast.com slash 90. Thanks to our sponsor, Infinite Red. If you're stuck in a React or React native project, tap Infinite Red for help. They'll teach you your way out of whatever problems you face. Visit reactpodcast.infinite.red to start a new project today and get two free tickets to Chain React Conf in 2021. If you like this show, there's a fast, free way to demonstrate your support. Leave us a review on iTunes. It's the best way for you to let me know what you think we're doing right and what we can improve. Two to three minutes of your time helps us make the best show we possibly can. As always, links and show notes for all episodes are available at reactpodcast.com. This episode was edited by Mikhail Delport. It was produced by Mikhail Delport and Sarah Jackson at Spec a network to help you level up in design and development. Check out spec.fm for other shows that are sure to fast track your career. I'm your friend, Chantastic. Thanks for listening. We'll be in your ears again next week.